0: Hello once again, and welcome to another episode of the Harry Potter Book Club. I'm Trevor. I'm Alex. I'm Matt. I'm
1: Crystal. I'm Vera. I'm Sylvia. And little baby Jack is, thank goodness he's asleep, but there might be some little baby noises when he wakes up from his
0: nap. Well, this week, before we jump into another chapter of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, we're going to take an opportunity to read a couple listener emails that have been sent in.
2: So I have one here from Jonathan, who is a second grade elementary school teacher, and he says, hi, just wanted to tell you guys that you are doing a great job. I love listening to your discussions and insights. Keep up the good work. I've got Holly from Wisconsin who says, just stumbled across your podcast
3: early this week and have listened to all the episodes so far. I love it. Looking forward to more episodes and the journey through the novels. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Holly. And I have a letter here.
1: Um, so looking forward to your podcasts. As a 51-year-old HP Super fan, I have always tried to get my friends to join me in a book club to reread and discuss the HP books. Now I have your podcast. Looking forward to hearing and interacting with your club. Thank you. And that is from Char Char.
4: We're happy to have you with us. Yeah,
0: thanks everyone uh, for sending in your comments. Remember, if you have comments or questions for the Harry Potter Book Club, you can always reach out to us at hpbcfanmail at gmail.com. That's hpbcfanmail at gmail.com. And while you're surfing online, go ahead, uh, check out our website, and leave us a review on iTunes. We always appreciate those. All right, Harry Potter Book Club. Uh, This week... Uh, this episode is only going to cover one chapter because our conversations and analyses have been so expansive uh, when we've been covering two chapters at a time. We're breaking up uh, our episodes uh, so that they're in more manageable chunks. This week we are on chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. Um, well, we
5: get, I mean, Harry back at, uh, with the Dursleys, uh, you know, and he's now kind of. I guess, neglected in a, an even different way, you know. I mean, they're, they're scared of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he even says that it, became, uh, it becomes quite depressing for a while, uh, just even being neglected, which I think, um, you know, he may have even wished that at times during his childhood. Like, I wish they'd just leave me alone, but now it's, yeah. they are leaving him alone. Um, they're scared of him, and it's even getting depressing to him. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, there was actually, speaking of other podcasts, now some people may know this is, we're in the middle of tripod season where podcasts tell other podcast listeners about other podcasts they listen to in order to get the word out there about how great podcast listening is. Huh. And I-, I am
0: glad one person at this table knew that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. It's very helpful. Well,
4: um, one thing that I thought of when reading this bit was on um, a great podcast called Stuff You Should Know. <laughs> um, and one of the episodes recently was on solitary confinement, and I really had no idea about how debilitating solitary confinement was. I mean, I'm a very extroverted person, so my being in a quiet office for eight hours a day feels like horrific torture. <laughs> to actually be confined to a house where no one will talk to you um, would, would drive me absolutely insane. And... I. To me, just you know, really, um, it was really heartbreaking. Oh, I was gonna say he did actually
5: have some company because he says his new owl, you know, that's true. He yeah. had for, for company, which we find out is named Hedwig. Um, and of course, we'll see Hedwig throughout the
4: rest of the canon. Yeah. But
1: I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Do we know
4: which historical figure Hedwig is named after?
2: I don't think he says the that he found in a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: But it
0: never comes up again.
4: I don't I'm think
2: correct. so. I don't think,
3: because he doesn't pay attention in History of Magic, so he might have learned about this person. But...
0: Well, and I, I did some looking online, and there's very little conclusive information about who the Hedwig from A History of Magic uh, is that Hedwig the Owl is named after.
4: Which relates to, I believe, two podcasts ago when we recommended that finally JK could produce A History of Magic for us. Mm-hmm.
0: JK, we yeah. know you're listening. Yes. <laughs> So if you could just get on that one minor project, that would be awesome. Yeah, I I think this is a a really interesting uh, observation about human nature that Rowling makes. And we've we've discovered in the first five chapters of Sorcerer's Stone, this really light um, sort of children's tale that's whimsical, it's fanciful in a lot of ways, and yet she packs these profoundly staggering insights about humanity uh, in the most uh, unexpected places. Uh, We sort of grow up uh, for a short time with Harry when he is being actively abused. That's what we've called it uh, when we look at the details. Here, the abuse turns to neglect, and we end up wondering, like you all have said, if this is any better. And, And I think Rowling is in some sense showing us that What makes for human flourishing, what makes for true thriving, is not the mere absence of harm. Mm -hmm. But it's something more active, more substantive, and really more relational. Mm -hmm. um, And and not just with an owl. um, That would allow Harry to truly thrive for the first time in his life, at least since he was one year old.
1: I will say it struck me this time for the first time like how meaningful Hedwig is because I just was realizing that bond of him being alone and for the first time having like a little friend, you yeah. know, like you become attached to your pets. And um, I think i had never thought about Hedwig as like this companion for Harry in this time and that just makes it more meaningful Hedwig's role throughout all the books and then mm-hmm. sad in and, and book seven.
2: Yeah, And we talked about too, or I, I think I mentioned in one of our last podcasts that Hedwig sort of symbolizes this protection almost since Hagrid was the person who gifted Hedwig to Harry Mm -hmm. and so it brings with him this um, almost this like element of magic in his room but also like Hagrid's protection he says at the end of the last chapter like send her to me if they're mistreating you Mm. so it's also like this comforting thing it's not just that he's attached to Hedwig like emotionally but it's you know if if they're mistreating me I have this Mm -hmm. outlet now I can contact Mm -hmm. someone who will come and rescue Mm -hmm.
5: me yeah yeah and I'm just trying to imagine can can you guys think of how just crazy it would be to see what Harry is seeing find out you're a wizard go to Diagon Alley (laughs) and then have to come back You know, for a month and and live in in what you always thought your life was going to be like and know, you know, you have something to look forward to. I can't even imagine how thrilled, excited, I don't even know what the emotions I'd be going through um, if I were in Harry's place right now.
2: He'd probably be marking off the calendar days like he is. Like he is.
3: And this is the only time we see Harry really, like involved in his actual schooling like he reads through all his <laughs> school books late into the night and then like later we're never gonna see him crack a book again really just to get through his classes but it's it's neat because that's all that's all he has of the magical world he wants to learn everything he can so it makes it keep being real mm-hmm.
5: I also thought when I read this and he <laughs> says his school books were very interesting I mean just a be in his place and like start reading things about a world that you've mm. never known, and you're getting ready to enter. I mean, just I feel like, I mean, at least in my personality, I mean, I I have to know. So, I mean, just to to be in that place and just be reading those textbooks. I mean, I was just thinking about the again the emotions that will be going through my head of like, what am I getting ready to get into? Um, it's got to be scary and exciting.
0: It's mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. also. So so interesting, like, th- these people that, have, that he relies on for food and shelter and everything, they're the ones that are kind of like his gateway to get to Hogwarts. Like, he has to get to King's Cross.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And he has to rely on the Dursleys to get him there. And he's so, like, nervous to talk to them because they've been scared of him since he came back from meeting Hagrid that he waits until the day before he's supposed to go to King's Cross <coughs> to the last day of August, and he's supposed to leave on the 1st. Until he, like, gets up the courage to ask them. And, like, how nerve-wracking that would be. Like, maybe the whole time he's thinking, I'm not going to get to go. They won't take me. Mm. I won't get to go to Hogwarts.
5: But I think there's still a little part of him that thinks, you know, if they got me that letter, like, somebody's got to, you know, that's what i would be thinking. Somebody's got to be, like, looking out for me. I I, I don't know. Um, So maybe that's in the back of his mind. Perhaps I... But I'd be thinking if they can get me a letter, you know, and Hagrid can come and get me and take me to Diagon Alley, maybe Hagrid can come back and and take me there, you know. So I'd be thinking about that as well.
2: I don't know. He doesn't use that sort of logic in the beginning of Chamber of Secrets.
5: Uh, Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what I was thinking of. I was like, where? I wish he had
2: that logic. But
1: it makes for a fun story, but it's always kind of frustrating to me, that decision.
5: Very much so. We find out um, the platform number that he has to Mm -hmm. go to, which is kind of a strange wizarding world uh, platform, nine and three quarters. And actually, I was just wondering, do you guys have any insights of why she chose maybe nine and three quarters?
4: Anybody?
1: I'm looking at Alex because I'm expecting him (laughs) to have some ingenious (laughs) reason. No, I
4: could not think of anything related to why it would be nine and three quarters. Actually, what struck me most about that whole situation was... It it made me think of all the different times where the Wizarding World incorporates pieces of modern infrastructure into their, like, design for their society, right? Like, why is it that um, later on we'll see, at at least uh, um, in the movies, where they go down a uh, phone booth into the ministry. Yeah, um, and we use... They have a you know magic bus that comes mm-hmm. and picks lost wizards up. Toilets, toilets, <laughs> it's modern. Yeah, That's true. Um, and then of course mm-hmm. the train station. And um, you know Hogwarts has been around for thousands of years. The trains have really only been around in the UK. Well, gosh, what since the the first at least underground train was 1834, and, you know, the or <laughs> overground grades were around that same time period. So like. They had to have reincorporated these modern elements into the way they were getting to Hogwarts. So like, what did
5: they do before that? What did they do before that? Like horse drawn
1: carriages. Well, we know
5: they had flu powder. I mean, I don't know how long that goes back, but you you would think that that would be the most efficient and the simplest way to actually travel. I think the only issue is you have to pay for flu powder, (laughs) you know, because
1: there's like it's a budgetary concern for the Weasley family. The expense of flu powder. Yeah. Yeah.
5: There's poor I mean, there's a number of different ways we find out to travel. There's brooms just flying. You know. So
1: I have a a side note about um, apparating. So can you only apparate alongside someone if you have a wand? Because I'm just thinking, why can't parents just side along apparate with their kids? Because Harry can, si- yeah. you know, side along apparate with Dumbledore. That's something At I've always wondered. At least to like wondered.
4: Hogsmeade or something, and then they can yeah. just walk. To but Hogwarts. maybe there's—I
1: mm-hmm. think they there's this issue in Book Seven when they're leaving the Ministry and the guy and his wife—they aren't sure if she can apparate without a wand. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Uh, Ron's yeah. character. Ron becomes—that's the name. Anyway,
3: <sighs> uh, it's gonna really bug me. Yeah
1: okay
4: that's a good point that's a good point but,
1: but i think you have to have a wand so their young children
4: couldn't but all young children that are going to hogwarts mm-hmm. would have
3: would have a wand, would yep.
4: have a wand. Oh. yeah so we so don't
5: know a, but we don't know why it's called nine and three quarters I mean, no, it was no. The original <laughs> okay. I, I was wondering if maybe somebody else had an insightful well, sylvia and call. i
0: have, have visited king's cross in london And stood in line uh, for a while to take a picture like we're going into the the brick wall there. Uh, But the Harry Potter setup that they have is actually just in a corner of the lobby. And I I remember, I believe, hearing in an interview with Rowling that she didn't actually double check the architecture of King's Cross Mm -hmm. before writing this Mm -hmm. in. And in Mm -hmm. actuality, there is no place that corresponds with what she's written into the book of a space between platforms 9 and 10 mm. where you could walk and in. <clears throat> so she's just asking us to suspend disbelief mm. if, <laughs> if we're wanting that dose of realism here. Mm. Yeah,
1: It's kind of a fun trivia
4: fact, though. Yeah. yeah. It also is in a way sort of like the opposite of what we were describing a while back with the owls. Because the owls were this thing that obviously is very mm-hmm. ancient, and they've kept around even though they have magical things. That could have replaced it that they've invented after the male owl. But now they're like incorp they've kept this or they've reincorporated a modern element, the train, into something where they foreseeably wouldn't need it. There's like you said, dozens of ways of traveling by magic. Yeah. But they've
5: I mean, it's Didn't certainly
4: gone ahead and incorporated this in. I mean, obviously. it certainly
5: wouldn't be as memorable, you know, as Hogwarts Or as fun. Express, you know? to, get I mean, to get on
1: a train and
5: trolley. I mean, there is some the sense of camaraderie, mm-hmm. camaraderie where everyone leaves mm-hmm. their families, you know, at, at one yeah, place. The and then they get, they get into these compartments together. They're having fun with their friends and they're traveling to Hogwarts. I mean, there is that element to mm-hmm. it. And
0: it's also interesting to think Mr. Weasley is fascinated by his ford anglia a car mm-hmm. an automobile but a locomotive to shuttle the kids to school like that's just totally normal like yeah right i think i think you've you stumbled onto an interesting question and anytime we look at one another puzzled stumped unable to reach a conclusion it's a great time to invite our listeners if you have any thoughts email us uh, because we'd love to hear them and and see if you can contribute to this part of the conversation
1: we'd love we would really love to hear from you yeah
5: yeah i and if we well my thought was if we could get a a good answer to why it was called nine and three quarters i kind of wanted to go back to the actual uh title of the chapter why is it called the journey from platform nine and three quarters instead of like the the journey Journey to to Hogwarts Hogwarts? I was wondering if anybody had any thoughts Mm -hmm. on that
4: Well, a lot
1: happens at nine and three quarters because meeting the Weasley family, Mm -hmm. which um, Trevor and I were having a pre-talk about this. And it's like every, the first line every Weasley says is almost like the thesis statement of their character. You know, we hear Fred and George instantly like, honestly, you call yourself our mother, you know, like pretending that she's confused them. Um, We have Percy walking around bragging about being a a prefect. We have Ron who's kind of like overlooked, you know, he's like all get all gets all the hand-me-downs kind of has dirt on his face like i feel like you get their essence of their personalities and that's right there jenny's the desperate to
4: meet harry uh-huh oh yeah <laughs> oh
1: yeah
2: that's interesting because i actually thought that same thing and i feel like she does a really good job of that throughout the all of this chapter and the next chapter like, establishing characters really well. Like, yeah. with the, the first meeting of them, it's like, I know whether or not I'm going to like someone or not like them. And she does that throughout the whole series, but especially as we're meeting, like, really popular characters like Neville and Hermione and Ron, I think it's really cool that, like, before we learn anything about, like, the biasness, really, of the wizarding world because he's not really learned much about it yet. Like, we learn quickly, like, who we're going to like and who we're not going to like. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I mean, she's already established. You're, you guys were hitting on it. I mean, like, the Weasleys, and you you know that Fred... Or, sorry, you know that Percy is, like, the overachiever. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. Fred and George, they're the troublemakers and the class clowns, you know? I mean, Ron, he's uh, he's trying to be like his brothers, you know? He's, he's, that, he's that typical... Youngest brother, you know that feels uh, you're, like you said overlooked. Um, so she's already establishing those characters before we even really they even meet Harry. Um,
3: I think too, just I'm um, in thinking of why why she used this title instead of the Journey to Hogwarts. The Platform ninety three quarters is really the only magical part of the journey, because once sure. they're on the train. It's a train. Like, it's romantic and it's fun yeah. and it's a cool way to get to a place. But it's not magical. It's yeah. a muggle thing. Um, but the platform... It's a steam engine. Yeah. But the platform is the magical part. Like, the, you know, having to kind of close your eyes and do it at a run and trust that you're going to make it through.
0: Mm-hmm. I love the way that she writes that part, though. Mm-hmm. Rowling is a master, even so early um, in these yeah. stories of forcing us um, to learn about the wizarding world with Harry. As he's introduced to things, we are. But when he's in the dark, oftentimes we are too. So he sees the third brother uh, walking briskly toward the barrier, and then quite suddenly he wasn't anywhere. There was nothing else for it. Harry doesn't have an explanation, and neither do we. We just know that someone was there, and now they aren't. And, and we have to go through the process. We're nervous with Harry as he's getting up the courage to to mm-hmm. go at a fast pace towards the brick wall. And then we're surprised with Harry when magic happens and he ends up at the Hogwarts Express. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, to talk a little bit about um, this introduction to Ron's character mm-hmm. and the place that he occupies in the Weasley family. Um, And what your thoughts were about that, Uh, you know, having read through the stories, you know, multiple times to sort of meet Ron for the first time again. What what impressions came to mind? Uh, But I also, it's fun to remember this initial description of his uh, physical stature. Mm -hmm. He was tall, thin, and gangling, with freckles, big hands and feet, and a long nose. And I'm, I'm I just sit there reading that. and I'm like, that's not what Rupert Grant looks like. <laughs> like and I, it's often um, easy to neglect the physical descriptions of characters that Rowling offers when they don't perfectly line up with the characters who are so iconic in the films. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would have probably described Ron as shorter, sort of. Squat, um, with a rather small nose, which would have been quite the opposite of the way yeah. she uh, she describes him here. No freckles. Mm-hmm.
2: So my first impression of Ron, I feel like I I do get the whole like younger brother vibe from him, like the youngest brother, maybe a little bit babied and spoiled. But I feel like he he sort of matches Harry's personality in that he's this. He's who Harry might have been if he'd grown up with his own parents. Like, kind of, he's he's just like a typical boy. Like, no offense. But, like, he he loves Quidditch, so he, like, loves sports. He loves food. We we kind of get that from him right away. He's got all, he knows everything about, like, you know, these trading cards. Like, he just reminds me of, like, any 10-year-old boy or 11-year-old boy that you might meet. And I actually really like that about him because, to me, he's like, Harry sees him, and, like, while Ron is, mm-hmm. I think we've, we we tra- we trace his jealousy of Harry throughout the series, I think we can trace Harry's jealousy of Ron a little bit, too. I mean, he even says, like, he was just as fascinated by Ron as, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa. But I, I just, I love that it's like he, Harry is seeing who he might have been, like just this typical boy had he not been neglected and had yeah. he had his own family. And well, I love that. I
5: mm-hmm. see more of us, I guess, in Ron, you know, just because it, it's, it's difficult... For, for most of us I think to uh relate to how Harry grew up. Um mm-hmm. and Ron, I mean, even though he's uh even though he's a he's a, a wizard, he grew up as a normal kid who's just wanting to to fit in. You see that uh through the writing. Um he, he's just wanting to fit in and again he, you're you're right when you say he's collecting cards. I mean he has, you know, interest in like sports teams and um I mean I feel like it's just the opposite of the coin, you know, like there's the, the regular muggle with not Ron's almost like the epitome of just that regular uh, wizard that's just growing up. So it gives us kind of an insight into that.
1: I will say so all that like makes total sense to me. But my first thought. And this dynamic is that they're very similar because the Weasleys are poor and Ron cuts himself off when he's about to say, we couldn't, we can't afford afford food. And so what instantly seems to bond them is he, you know, almost says it and Harry catches on and Harry starts to tell him about his terrible childhood and how he had nothing either. And then Ron's like, oh, okay, like this guy's safe. And Mm -hmm. so I think it becomes um, a bond that they both in some ways did have like a less, prosperous childhood you know the Weasleys are sort of an outcast family at least they're der- they're an object of derision from the Malfoys and um, so I, I think that like poverty factor and just mm-hmm. kind of, also I think Ron he he says somewhere in here that he gets hand-me-downs everything mm-hmm. he gets even like his you know from wands to pets is just sort of like leftovers mm-hmm. and that was the way it was with Harry too so I'm mean, not not the same and I, I see your point too but yeah. I also think there are some similarities
0: that kind of bond them. Yeah. Bill's old robes, Charlie's old wand, and Percy's old rat. Mm-hmm. That's that's why he brings.
5: It. Yeah, um, well, I mean, kind of comparing the two. I had a, I just want to read, I guess, two little sections. Um, uh, one is Harry when he when I guess Uncle Vernon is uh, dropping him off, and it says, it's on page ninety one. Have a good term, said Uncle Vernon, with an even nastier smile. He left without another word. Harry turned and saw the Dursleys drive away, all three of them laughing. Okay. You know, and then you get to uh, how, I guess, Ron and his family is leaving. And it says, the tra- on page 97, the train began to move. Harry saw the boy's mother waving and their sister, half laughing, half crying, running to keep up with the train until it gathered too much speed. Then she fell back and waved. And then Harry, of course, watched the girl and her mother disappear around the corner. Mm -hmm. Um, So you see that. And when I read that line, you know, I thought about just the stark differences of how they dropped their son off and left them, you know, whereas... Mm I mean, the Dursleys dropped Harry off and left just left laughing, thinking, "Oh, he's on his own like he's a fool." You know, like he thinks I mean, there's a yeah, he, he, yeah. He thinks They're there's like, a nine All right, and three quarters. There is no
3: platform. Bye. Yeah, there's
5: no mm-hmm. nine and three quarters. Are laughing at him, and then, I mean, it, it is it is very sad, and yeah. he's, he's left to his own devices. And of course, then you know we in comes the Weasleys, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like. It's kind of like Harry is... I mean, we, we see in the other books he's adopted by that yeah, family like immediately. almost. and mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that, that family just picks him up and, you know, as, as a mother, she's like, oh, you know, this is Ron's first time at Hogwarts, too. You know, I, I'll show you how, you know, it's done. Watch and, you know, just push forward. And he's giving uh, Harry motherly advice, you mm-hmm. know, of how to do things. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked that transition that J.K. did.
0: I think on that point... Though about jealousy, we see all the way in book seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these jealousies uh, go both ways. Ron is jealous of Harry's fame, wealth, and, and in one sense, power, social and otherwise. Uh, Harry, on the other hand, is jealous of Ron for all of the things that Ron has that he doesn't. Namely, a family and a real place to call home. Uh, and at different points throughout the series of books, uh, we see those jealousies creating a tension that comes to a head where they explode at one another, saying, how can you not be thankful for the things that you have? And the answer is simple. It's because I want the things you have. you have. I'm so busy fixating on what I, what I don't have that th- the blessings that are in front of me um, seem quite paltry in comparison. I also think it's interesting, jumping on your point, Sill, uh, that this isn't the first time that uh, Harry's, basically, outsider status um, from the wizarding world enables him to befriend someone who is sort of a wizarding outsider. Um, he comes uh, into the wizarding world without the lens of prejudice uh, that already exists in front of so many eyes we saw that with hagrid and we discussed how Harry immediately has this deep affection for hagrid uh, that others because of his part giant ancestry would would not share we get that with the Weasleys as well um, you know Draco says you know there are some families that just aren't as good as others and you don't you don't want to hang out with the wrong kind but of course Harry didn't have that, you know, presupposition going in. He he wasn't predisposed uh, to believe that. And so he's able to receive the Weasleys as the blessing that they really are to him, uh, rather rather than uh, taking Malfoy's stance and immediately seeing them as less than because they are numerous and less wealthy and perhaps more friendly to Muggles. Than others would like.
5: Yeah. There, there's another scene on uh, in ninety five or on page ninety five that I kind of liked and kind of picked up when uh, the twins, uh, George, Fred and George, first meet Harry and they kind of find out who he is and they're saying, "Aren't you?" You know, and Harry's like, "What?" And he's like, "Harry Potter." And then Harry <laughs> says, "Oh, him?" You know, said Harry Potter, and he says, "I mean, yes, I am." And so. I just feel like with that response, you know, you feel that, you know, there's almost two sides to Harry. I mean, and you even see when he meets Hermione that uh, he's in modern magical history, his name, you know, he is, uh, the rise and fall of the dark arts and great wizarding events of the 20th century. So there's almost this, like, who am I? You know, I'm, I'm just Harry Potter. I grew up with the Dursleys. I'm not even a, a real wizard. I, I don't know any magic. And, you know, it's just really interesting. I, I love that response, um, too. And I was wondering what you guys thought about that.
3: Almost like there's this, there's this other Harry Potter that the wizarding world is fixated on, and he has no real relation to that person. He just knows that he's someone to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, it is me. Yes, me. I'm that.
5: That is me. It's like and a that. very
3: humble response because if he grew
1: up, no, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, oh, like, yeah. Well, I'm Harry Potter," sure. like a Gilderoy Lockhart kind of response, right. like, "Uh huh, uh huh." Like, but instead, he—it's a very humble. It just shows um, that it's—it's it's good. I think Dumbledore's decision to not corrupt him with fame his whole life maybe gives him some extra humility. Mm-hmm.
0: My thoughts immediately go to uh, Professor Snape and the first interactions that we'll see later on between Harry and Snape. Um, Snape expects Harry to respond to fame in you know, the quintessential way. But what's so ironic is that that is the farthest thing from Harry's character at this point and his imagination. Like, it's almost like he's not capable of owning and stepping into the fame because he's just so ignorant mm-hmm. about everything. Yep. Uh, and and, and he, he, he's unwilling to pretend um. In order to take on that mantle of fame immediately,
4: which perhaps con- contributes to Snape's impression that Harry is even more deceitful, like he's pretend he did like he's pretending that he doesn't know how how famous he is, and he's just acting in his class. Mm. Well, but I, mean, I know the real Harry Potter. Hmm. Thanks.
2: Harry does kind of you know develop this like snarky kind of sass for snape yeah reputation when it comes and he always seems to get like caught in instances with snape where he does look like he's misbehaving or like he's you know mocking snape or something so there i mean he does kind of live up to it eventually Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah he he, he
0: certainly uh on into the books is able to sort of step into the fame and he 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 starts believing his own hype. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He might not be like (laughs) a Gilderoy Locker but he has no
1: trouble being sassy. But I mean he was a little bit sassy to Dudley, we saw Mm -hmm. back in Mm -hmm. Chapter One. I mean he can yeah.
0: Yeah. He's definitely quick witted and and willing to make a point sometimes at someone else's expense. Mm -hmm. But here we don't see the sort of proud bravado that we might expect if, if he had been raised knowing who he was
2: so I always have a hard time on this scene like when Molly Weasley's coming up to the platform nine and three quarters that she says what's the platform number again mm-hmm. like I want part of me I always just like take on this view of Molly that's like she sees Harry and just sees him by himself and he looks maybe kind of lost like what do I do now And so she's like, oh, what's that platform number? I picture her in that sort of way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's never stated that way, but that's kind of how I picture her. Like, seeing this abandoned kind of kid... Who's wearing hand-me-down clothes. And she's like, maybe she should owl. like. Yeah. And an mm-hmm. owl. So she identifies him probably as a wizard. And maybe she just speaks up to like. Hey, I, always, I always felt like
3: it was like a little test for Jenny. know, what's the platform number? Nine and three quarters. Because <laughs> she's the one that answers. Yeah. You know, like, where are we going? What
2: are we doing?
3: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jenny, Jenny's the one that answers.
2: That's funny. I like the different interpretations.
3: Yeah. I was wondering if it could be. Did
1: they use. Was did the platform change? Like when she was a kid, it was platform mm. eight and nine and so she has trouble remembering the change but hmm. that I don't know if that makes any sense but
2: well I think that would have been like her sons for the past however many years yeah, have right. been going to nine every year and it continues but when you have a lot quarters. of kids it
1: does things to your brain well, <laughs> yeah, it d- true. Sa- my friend Sally the doctors called her recently with some test results and they were like what is your birthday and she was like okay and she gave them one child's birthday and they said no nah, that's not right and then she gave she gave three uh, wrong birthdays and then they said why don't you call us back anyway i'm just saying oh your, your brain can forget your own birthday
0: yeah. we only have two and i was uh, dropping our oldest off at ymca childcare, and they asked me for her birthday and with a totally straight face and confidence I, I said a number and they said, oh, we've got it wrong in our records, and I sort of thought, and I was like, nope, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: While we're on the Weasleys, one thing I thought was interesting, um, another thing I think we see a lot in British literature is like the the interaction between the British and then all the sort of smaller ethnic groups within the British Isles, I mean, the English, sorry, right? and the and the small ethnic groups within the British Isles, like the Scots or the Irish or the Welsh. And those groups are often seen as having red hair more frequently, yeah. being poorer, being lower class, and having a lot more kids. And so I wondered when I was reading this whether or not like this was a way for mm-hmm. JK to bring out a few more oh,
0: stereotypes wow. and
4: issues, right? You have the the only son, Draco Malfoy, of this prestigious blonde. noble family. He's blonde. He's you know, and they only have one kid, right? Because they want to pass everything down to that one, concentrate the wealth.
3: Mm.
4: Whereas on the other hand, you see the, the Weasleys. They're poor, but they're happy to have dozens of kids. And, well, obviously not actually dozens, but you know, they have many, many children. Mm.
5: But can I just point out, and this goes back to the color thing that I brought up uh, in our last episode. Um, Trevor's rolling his eyes at me right now. But it's not actually red ha- hair that they say; it's scarlet, which that was one of the big colors uh, that they that we I was talking about last time. Green comes up again. The uh, uh, Hogwarts Express is also described as mm-hmm. scarlet again. So I don't know. There's a theme running down. I still haven't quite formulated the hypothesis here. but it's, it's, Readers, it's if you
1: have a thought on the yes, meaning please. of Scarlet, please send us a letter.
5: Yes, please. In tell email, me.
1: just reach out to us.
5: I'm trying to work Eden, this out myself. Just to tell Matt
2: he's crazy.
5: You can tell me I'm crazy. It's fine. It's fine. But I'm, I'm still harping on this. Green's in there as well. Couldn't really figure out as much with Green
0: this time. But, move I'll, but we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. move on. Well, still talking about the Weasleys and Ron in particular... Uh, one of the the lines that just tugs on my heartstrings uh, whenever I read it is when Ron takes um, a lumpy package out and unwraps mm-hmm. it with four sandwiches inside. He pulls one of them apart and says, She always forgets I don't like corned beef. Mm. And that is just... It's a really a poignant moment to sort of begin to see and understand Ron's place and where he thinks his place is in the Weasley family, Uh, we've seen Harry resiliently uh, be forgotten, in one sense, by the Dursleys and handle it with uh, a a lot of fortitude and strength uh, and independence. Uh, Ron, though, in the middle of this family, experiences that a similar kind of forgottenness uh, mom can 't remember i don 't like corned beef on my sandwich um, and it it almost seems to strike him um, in in a harder sort of way. He seems to be more sensitive uh, in this moment at least to the fact that he isn 't perhaps known or remembered as intimately or as well as as he would like.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So this is not as sad, but but this specific passage, I don't know why, but like I have almost lost sleep over some questions with it um, that are not significant at all. I want to know a couple things like do pumpkin pasties come in plastic wrap like a hostess?
3: cupcake okay, you know
1: or do they come in a plate on a platter with a glass lid how is I'm this so packaged? and further further he buys some of everything and there's a lot and i'm like is he putting it in his pocket so are the pasties wrapped in plastic or is he carrying it it says he just carries it all in and drops it but i'm just trying to figure out how is he lifting up his robe to make a how is he carrying it all um and how is it packaged
4: well and where do they like <laughs> You know, is this one of those trains where they had a nice drop down table that they could set and like yeah, have they a put like them a on the
2: seat, they're on the seat. They yeah, said that. The, most
4: of the time they're on the seat. Yeah.
2: yeah. I picture them being like hostess snacks. Yeah, That's like wrapped I'm in actually. plastic. I mean everything else is junk yeah. food. And mm-hmm. even in book six horse Leghorn says, if I remember correctly, all they serve is junk food on the street. Yeah, it's like a Twinkie
1: but sh- yeah. you know, shaped like a pasty, which we've, we we had pumpkin pasties at our second recording, so we we've experienced
4: the joy of that. But they're riding a um, coal fired steam engine train. Got all this plastic-wrapped... This is not very environmentally conscious wizards. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they think they can just make all these natural resources come out of thin air. Which, maybe they can.
3: Maybe
1: they can. Yeah, they can multiply. Maybe actually, they can't create out of nothing, like food. But maybe they can, you know, if there's one drop of water, they can multiply well, it. That would be my theory, but I haven't...
5: I'm wondering, did with the chocolate frogs, and they were talking about the cards that they collected, anybody think of, like... Pokemon Absolutely. cards or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. because uh, that's what came to mind when, when I heard this. I thought more you baseball all, cards. You know? Yeah,
2: because they come with like a stick of gum, or they used to come with a stick of gum. That's mm-hmm.
5: how I think. Of them. Yeah, maybe. But and you
2: collect like famous people, I like Pokemon of, or not? Well,
5: I thought of Pokemon because I was, you know, back in the
0: day. Oh yeah. Yeah, baseball cards are so out. They're, they're out. Baseball yeah. cards are more historic. So I've got a baseball card collection that should be worth millions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not gonna get anything for it. I'm pretty sure.
5: <laughs> well, we do get the Albus Dumbledore card, mm-hmm. and uh, I did particularly like in his description the very last sentence, um, <laughs> where he enjoys chamber music and ten-pin bowling. How
1: There's many how things. many pins are there normally? Like twelve? Is that like a ten? Off? No, ten. ten but off. I <laughs> think it's
2: a point to like it being yeah. muggle bowling. Like mm-hmm. I think it, to me it's like. Dumbledore Wait, loves muggle things. Just like lemon drops. Yeah. Yep. Wait,
4: what is wizard bowling?
2: Well, I think it's I don't know what wizard bowling oh, is, okay. but I think they're saying ten pin bowling meaning regular old muggle bowling. Gotcha. Like I think it's just like a nod to his like he likes muggle things. Like mm-hmm. we hear that throughout the series he likes lemon drops. Mm-hmm. He likes crochet patterns in book 6 like he likes mm-hmm. ten pin bowling which is a, a muggle thing. It's just one of those things. He's the champion of muggles. You
0: know? Can you imagine seeing <laughs> Albus Dumbledore at your local bowling lane? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I can. I'm pretty, <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen a whole group uh, yeah. like before. <laughs> yeah. no. But what's interesting is uh, Rowling is so adept at sneaking in what is important plot information. Mm-hmm. In ways that we, we don't even expect. We are so overwhelmed with meeting the Weasleys. We've just been on Platform 9 and 3 quarters. You know, all the stress that it was involved there in getting to the Hogwarts Express. We've now got a seat full of Wizarding Candy. And the, the card description ends with chamber music and 10-pin bowling. Literally, our, our guard couldn't be any uh, mm. more down. And right in the middle of all of it she sneaks in by the way famous uh, for his defeat of the dark wizard grindelwald in 1945 and his work on alchemy with his partner nicholas flamel and she gives us the answer yeah and when when harry says i've heard that name before chances are the first time through we were like well Maybe I have, too, but I certainly don't remember yeah. where. Why? Because uh, all means. of my senses are just completely yeah. overwhelmed in this rush of new information. Candy Chocolate and treats and... Yes. and fun.
1: Weasleys. I will
0: say the 12 uses of
1: Dragon's Blood seems a lot less significant <laughs> but um, than these other two, Grindelwald and Alchemy. But maybe there's... Maybe, JK, if you're listening, we'd really love to know what are the 12 uses of I mean, the Yeah, but we
5: don't know exactly what these uses are. They could be very important
0: uses. Who knows? They, they yeah. Another spin off trilogy. In, trilogy. In Fantastic Beasts, even. Oh, be I awesome. would love that. That yeah. would be so good.
1: Maybe we meet a young Nicholas. Was he. I
4: well, he'd know. never. He he, wouldn't he, be yeah. young? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, gir- i guess He's, he's young He's only
0: 605. Look, <laughs>
4: well, I mean, by the time you're 605, if you're 400 and. Five fifty, may feel sprightly. No, you're right. Well,
5: that's right. Um, also, with the the rest of the cards that they collected, um, the first time I read through this, and this was the only time I've done this, is I actually looked up each and every uh, each and every w- Witcher wizard that mm. she names here, and they are actually no, <laughs> they are actually either real people <laughs> or literary characters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like these are. She didn't just pull these out of thin air. Like, yeah. they come from people who were in the occult and, like, mm-hmm. were alchemists and, I mean, all kinds of stuff. So, they're there for a purpose, yeah. which I, I enjoyed. Thank you, J.K. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I was just going to say that she goes by Joe, but I just feel weird calling her Joe. Like, that's too intimate.
0: Joe, can we call you Joe?
3: Tweet us. <laughs> Email us. <laughs> Um, We also get introduced with the card to uh, the moving pictures of the Wizarding Mm -hmm. World for the Mm -hmm. first time. And I I think it's such a neat way, because he doesn't see the picture move, he just looks back and Dumbledore's gone. Like he just was bored and he wandered away. I think it's such a neat way to introduce us to that concept, like he's there and then no,
2: he's not in there anymore. Yeah, And I love that Ron is like, what do you expect him to hang around all day? Right, it just know. kind of foils them again. It's well, like Ron is so used to this. And then yeah. Harry's like, well, well in the Muggle world, this doesn't happen. This is astounding. And so we it's another one of those little nuggets that we're just kind yeah. of finding out with right. Harry. But and then they, Ron's like, they don't move at all? Weird. Yeah, the
5: actual <laughs> words that she uses, I mean, Ron sounded amazed yeah. when, when Harry said that. He's like, you don't expect him to hang around all day. And he, he actually says weird. I mean, we've been weird. thinking, you know, mm-hmm. things at the... Wizarding world does they're weird, you know, we don't get mm-hmm. get it right away, but I mean he's saying weird to Pictures that stand still
4: do we see ever I thought one of the things I thought of is, you was know, We usually use the term moving pictures for film mm-hmm. But we never actually see like a wizard version of film do we I mean There's never a point where there's like
3: you don't watch a movie or anything.
4: any kind of movie mm-hmm. type of production No wizard actors, I guess no Sad. The Wizard Theater.
3: The Wizard. The Wizard Arts need more funding.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Although I'm pretty sure in one of Albus Dumbledore's um, commentaries in the Tales of Beetle the Bard, he does refer to a play uh, being hosted at Hogwarts or at another at another school. That's obscure. Yeah. Hey, good. Good Harry Potter trivia <laughs> right there. Down. I'm impressed. Wow. I, I pulled that wow. from deep in the archives. That's, right.
1: That's like we were quizzing each other the other night about all the gifts that Harry got for Christmas in book one. But we reader, if you know without cheating, let us know. We'll be impressed. But we can save that for the Christmas chapter. <laughs> I did have one more thought on this on the cards when I first read it. My interpretation was that if you're a portrait, there's one person who moved. Like, when Ron says, what, did you expect him to hang around all day? I thought, well, there's other portraits he has to go to. But it's not true. It's like, you know, every portrait of Dumbledore is its own portrait. But then that takes me down the rabbit hole of, like, when he dies and he's a portrait and he communicate, you know, he speaks on the wall. Um, like, what is his consciousness when he's still yeah, alive, yet a portrait?
3: It's... It, it
1: opens
4: that's up so a, lot a lot of questions. Rabbis. I know, but I'm i am just,
1: I am cu- yeah. i don't really have an answer. I just, that's one thing I, I well, wonder about. Yeah,
4: are they still all Dumbledore? Do they all,
0: are they all really him? Well, is portrait it like a of, multi-minds theory? The portrait of Dumbledore is not part of Dumbledore's true consciousness.
1: But he, doesn't he like give some wisdom or talk?
4: Or memories? I mean, at the I, end. He don't
0: don't,
1: in book seven, seven. In Chris Child he talks. Okay. In, yeah. in Book 7, he talks to me. That's what I was Mary, remembering like, in
0: Book 7. you leaving the yeah. stone.
2: Like, where mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he definitely, there's some Dumbledore conscious definitely there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's not like... It's not the same. In some sort of spiritual sense, right. his soul escapes body and enters right. into... Right. So it's sort like of, it, like some of like, is like the is the essence of Dumbledore yeah. copied of and or
1: pasted.
3: Not, because otherwise, yeah. like, that's some kind of terrible purgatory. Right. Right. You know, like yeah. now I'm a portrait forever in the headmaster's office. Yeah, true. I got paid
4: I got paid for this job for for how many years while I'm alive, now I have to do it forever in the afterlife. For free.
1: Because, but they're also or opinionated. Free. All the former, you right. know, headmasters true, are yeah. like you know, they hate hair or they're just very sassy and I think and they it's speak an up.
3: imprint of the personality, but it's not the true consciousness
4: yeah. of
1: But they can respond to commands, you know, you think of um
3: Right, of Phineas
1: Nigellus. Woo.
4: Yeah. But like at what point you know, that that's, like, I, I get what we're saying, that it's an imprint of the person, and it's not their true consciousness, it's not a piece of their soul, but like you were saying with Phineas Nicholas, like, some of the conversations, I mean, they are, they are conversations, mm-hmm. like, and he appears to act and respond based on, like with on real memories mm-hmm. and uh-huh. make decisions and sometimes he he makes fun of them and gets annoyed with them and gets angry and yeah. all sorts of things like, I don't know, it's sort of like artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's like Almost, yeah. weird when, when are you going to know when a system is simply a very complex set of algorithmic responses and when is it
1: mm. a person? It reminds person? me of the hallows in the sort of way that if someone you love died, couldn't you kind of get infatuated with their portrait? Because you'd be yeah, talking yeah. to them no. and like they would, mm. you know, in the same way that the, the brother with the resurrection mm. stone. And
2: mm. creature with Mrs. Black's portrait. Uh huh. Like, I mean, he he it could
1: foster somewhere. some unhealthy relationships For sure, um, yeah. codependent on a portrait. Could happen. Dark. Anyway, that was, good. that was my thought on the yeah. portrait.
3: Anyway, the cheap cards don't seem to be able to communicate in any way. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes stronger magic to make a portrait. Mm. Yeah.
0: Interesting. On a lighter note, there's booger flavored (laughs) -flavored jelly beans, which always makes me think of in the movie, it's bogey flavored. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that in the original British version of the book, it's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Mm. It it makes me really want to see like an itemized chart of all of the differences in the Americanized version versus the British original. I
1: think you should create that. I think there's a need. And if
4: it's not already on Pinterest or Reddit, right. then yes, it's probably on Reddit. That'll
3: be your life's work, Trevor.
0: Yes,
4: that forget the PhD. <laughs> get buy
3: two copies and
4: line <laughs> by
0: line.
1: I would like you to assess that for us and come back next next time. A
0: worthy use of yeah. time.
2: Well, we know that's one.
5: So do you guys want to talk about the uh, girl with the bossy sort of voice? Can we all, before all we go remind was. me?
2: I just want to say one more thing about Ron and Harry. Go ahead. That I really loved. I love that Fred and George, like, sort of break the ice for them to begin talking. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's such a sweet moment because Mm -hmm. they've already sort of connected with Harry. But, like, Ron walks in and he's like, sorry, everyone else is full. And he knows it's Harry. Like, he's heard that it might be Harry Potter. And he thinks Mm -hmm. maybe Fred and George are tricking him, but he's not sure. So he's not going to speak to Mm -hmm. Harry. Like, he would probably have sat there, like, looking out the window awkwardly with the dirt on his nose and, like, not have said a word. But Fred and George are like, oh, by the way, this is our brother. And so they just, like, create this, like really quick bond with them I just I love that it's it's so sweet of their characters Mm -hmm. like they're Mm -hmm. pranksters but they have they have this bond and it's like they like sort of share that They're like you need somebody that you can like relate to and talk to and they open that door up for Ron and Harry and I just think that's the sweetest thing I
3: think we there's a lot with Fred and George in the beginning here where like they alternate between like picking on Ron like mercilessly like oh does little Ron have something on his nose and mommy can (laughs) clean it off you know And then Ginny's sad that they're leaving. She's like, oh, you know, don't cry, Ginny. You know, we'll send you tons of owls. And so those are really, like, sweet brothers, even though they pick on their siblings and they pick, like, mercilessly on Percy. But Percy's, you know, that's a different (laughs) different story. But, like, with Ron and Ginny, there is this, like, this protectiveness and this um, kindness that they have towards their younger siblings, which is
4: really sweet. Agreed. Um, Just to avoid this uh, coming up. If, In case there was any listener who already knew this, there's a website, legacy.hp-lexicon.org. And it goes through all the differences between the British and American wow. versions and it goes through line by line. I mean, nice. first one, you know, page 17 versus page 66, original version, I'll be taken serious his bike back. Edited version, I'll get his, this bike away. Like, Why
1: did they change that? I'll get this. And it, oh.
4: goes, and it even has the reason for the change. And it goes through. I mean, I'm. this is an extensive Wow, That's resource. huge
1: because they wow. didn't name Sirius in the British version. So you don't have that little nugget of Sirius is coming.
3: I mean, that's a big, big change. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, yeah. Spend an inordinate amount of time on that website.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so, enjoy.
2: So, Hermione. Her hey. Marnie. And here here again, like, J.K. Rowling is, like, establishing her character. First thing we see, like, this bossy, know-it-all sort of person who's, like, walking up and down the corridor, sort of like, I picture her, like, a hall monitor almost, like, what's going on in this compartment? What about over here? And, like, by the way, you have dirt on your nose. What are you no. doing? Oh. Well, and Neville had
3: already come by and asked them, but it's almost like, you didn't ask them well enough, <laughs> Neville. Let me go and ask for you. <laughs>
5: Well, not only that, I mean, I think a little bit later on when, you know, they're getting closer to Hogwarts, she says something about like, well, there are, there are people out here acting childish, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. so you get the sense that she is uh, a much older wizard down, down deep, or at least she, she really does, yeah, she really does want to be, Um, and Can we just say uh, a complete nerd, I guess. Um, I
3: learned all my school books by heart. (laughs) She
5: memorized them all or knows them all by heart.
2: And she challenges Ron like immediately too. And that that sort of sets up their relationship. She's like, oh, you're doing magic? Let's see it. I've learned all of this. I can do it by theory. Let's see you actually perform it if you know how. And, of course, it's, you know, some bogus spell that doesn't sound anything like a real spell. Mm-hmm.
1: Which, Ron grew up in a wizard household. Did yeah, he really think that this is what n- a right. spell looks like, having, you know, your parents your whole life? but
5: I don't know. Sometimes you believe sometimes your brothers you do. when it's not wise to do so. <laughs> That's um, true. Matt can tell as, you
2: some stories. As an
5: older brother, I can <laughs> attest to, yeah, sometimes you'll tell your younger brother something that is, is not true.
1: For your spouse.
5: <laughs> Either or. Yeah. You
2: just need a gullible audience.
5: Um, we also see uh, Draco and um, Crab and Goyle come to the uh, compartment, and we see Harry make a, a choice, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, in this Formid moment. Form of allegiance. Yep. Where you don't want to be messing with the wrong sort. I think this, when he says that... Um, you know, it reminds me. I can't remember exactly how he framed it, but he said that uh, when Ron and Harry were talking together and they were introducing one another. I mean, Ron or Harry asks Ron about you know his family, and well, uh, Ron's from an all magical family, so he must therefore he must be part of these noble families. You know mm-hmm. that I mean, Ron does, or Harry doesn't judge Ron, I guess, correctly in the fact that that's how most wizards would. Uh, would judge Ron, or the Weasleys, but here we find out that, uh, at least in Draco's point of view, that the Weasleys are not the right sort of uh, wizards and and witches to be associated
0: with. What's interesting, though, is that by Malfoy's own standard of judging people by blood status, Mm -hmm. the Weasleys are the right sort of Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. They are purebloods, at least to the extent that it's possible. Again, in the tales of Beetle the Bard, Dumbledore comments that there is no such thing as a pure-blood family, and anybody who tells you that there is is just hiding the members of the family tree who prove their thesis wrong. Which actually Ron says that they do. Uh, he says yeah. that they had one embarrassing sort of uncle or cousin, but nobody talks about him. Yeah, he's an Some, accountant. He's an accountant. Right? Yeah. Yeah. we don't talk about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they get it's sort of a, a metaphorical. Uh, version of what happens in the black family tree they get sort of seared out of the family tree and out of, again out of sight out of mind and we still maintain this sort of aura of pure blood status um but i i suppose because the weasleys aren't purebloods who hate muggles and have lots of family wealth then according to malfoy they aren't the right kind of people I love the names as well. I, I I don't know that we've we've talked about this yet, but Malfoy uh literally means bad faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that goes probably two ways. In one sense they have bad faith in the sense that it's misdirected. They put their faith in the dark the dark side, Voldemort. Um, but also in a more colloquial sense, they are a family that demonstrates bad faith. They enter into relationships selfishly with no loyalty and we see them you know turn tail and run whenever things get hard. They, they really are a cowardly sort of people. They mm-hmm. don't uh, put themselves forward in good faith in a way that can be trusted. Um, so Malfoy's name is in, is in fact very telling. I also think Longbottom just makes me think of <laughs> Neville for some reason, and Granger. Um, I, I don't know, in the sense that she roams and ranges about in the train, like sort of sticking her nose where it doesn't belong, and whether it's rude or not. Like this idea of mangy hmm. Granger, like mm. the way her 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 hair is described.
4: That in sound. Yeah, that yeah. she she
0: doesn't give a lot of attention to her appearance. Uh, at at least in the in the early books um I, I think it's just fun how the names um it reminds me of Tolkien like even when there isn't some etymological reasoning behind a name, rolling is really good at capturing a sound that somehow communicates uh what what a person is all about.
1: Goyle is so evocative because you think of a gargoyle, like, a gargoyle. like yes. stooped over and menacing and big and yeah. you know yucky. And I mean a crab. Nobody <laughs> likes a crab. Millicent <laughs> Bulstrode. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's like, a good one. These are interesting Pansy names. Parkinson. Mm. Something about the name Pansy kind of has a <laughs> meh
3: to it. She's nasty. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like the girl at school that you didn't like. Which it was. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for Joe, it really was that. She, like, modeled her after a character she didn't like or somebody she didn't like in school, I think. Same with Umbridge. And
0: mm-hmm. I yeah. guess mm-hmm. Umbridge is another great name. Yeah. Mm hmm. Man.
2: So, um, when, he, when Hermione comes into the compartment, she also, like, just starts spouting off all these things, like, do you know what house you're going to be in? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard that Dumbledore was in Gryffindor, so we we're already getting that little bit of you know bias towards certain houses and she's like i think ravenclaw wouldn't be too bad so you sort of get a little bit of you know if you think dumbledore you think of like this noble sort of character and you think of like hermione you can almost immediately tell she's super smart and she's like ravenclaw wouldn't be bad you're like okay maybe ravenclaw is like for know-it-alls or people who are wise if we want to use the more generous terms and we do (laughs) (laughs) so uh more wise um I I like that I like that we already kind of had this idea we're forming these opinions of these houses
1: it is surprising that the best in the class is not in Ravenclaw that might be for next we'll save this for our next podcast discussion but just two on that listener
5: I will say that I've got Problem. It could be a ridiculous theory, but I'll save it for next Ooh, uh, next. Uh-oh. Yeah, episode. I'm excited. That, I mean, it, it could be nothing, but maybe there's a little substance. Okay, to it, one, it?
3: one thing I wanted to talk about a before we get. Ever heard it? Yeah, yeah, for real. One thing I wanted to talk about before we get too far away from it is Ron's wand. Oh, it's pitiful. so sad. Yeah. Um. So it's Charlie's old one. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um. His older brother's wand, That's a hand me down, and it's chipped. And you can see the unicorn here poking out at the end. Yep. And it just struck me, like, how sad, you know, as we were talking about how he is, you know, somewhat forgotten and neglected even in this close, loving family. Because that's, like, a huge experience. Like, let's go to Ollivander's and let your wand mm. choose you before mm-hmm. you go off to school. And he didn't get that. It's like, well, mm. we have this, you know, after Charlie got a new one, you, have, you can have that for now. And his robes, you know, those are, these will fit, that'll be fine. And they're too small, right? Mm. They're too short for him. And so none of the, and then you have this rat, you know, like none of the trappings of like, let's go off to school and you can be a wizard are given to Ron. He's got none of that. He's disadvantaged from the start. Because his wand is broken, you know? And so, like, I don't know any magic and I'm working with a faulty instrument. Mm-hmm. So let's just see if I can, you know, maybe make something of
0: myself or mm-hmm. not
3: make a giant fool of myself. Yeah.
0: That All of that just reminded me of his dress robes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look like my great aunt Tessie. Yeah. <laughs> Smell like my great aunt Tessie. <laughs> Funny stuff. Oh,
1: to me, the saddest line in almost the whole series... Not hundred percent, but at least pertaining to Ron is the line. He stood there in his two short pajamas. Yeah. That's all I remember. But it's and a Harry goblet like of fire when him. and Harry throws a thing at him and it's the saddest thing ever that it they're is. fighting and he Harry's getting all this glory for the Tri Wizard tournament and he just says Ron just stood there in his two short pajamas and turned around and went back to bed. Breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is poignant sometimes, mm-hmm. um, his mm-hmm. his poverty.
2: I do think with, like, what you were saying about him, you know, with his wand having, like, unicorn hair poking out of it, he does still make fun of Neville a little bit. Like, for Neville having brought a toad. So, like, Neville comes into the compartment looking for his toad and Mm -hmm. he's like, I don't know why he's bothering. If I brought a toad, I wouldn't care. So, I I think it's interesting, like, he might, you know, have... He might be in poverty, but he he does still sort of find something to pity in Neville. Well,
5: I feel like Neville is... I mean, That's automatically Neville, you see him. He's he's that guy that you just can pick on relentlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and, you know, I mean. Even
3: the people that love him. Yeah. You even know? Neville they, it's himself. really sad.
2: Yeah. Neville's like, they didn't know I was a, um, they thought I was a squid. I never even yeah. had magic until I was they, eight and they threw yeah, out of a window.
3: And oh, then they and... didn't think I was magic enough to go
0: to Hogwarts, <laughs> but, I, but I made it. Yeah, it's, it's so happy they cried. Yeah. <laughs> That's
5: what he says. They yeah. were crying as he was bouncing down the street. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: Not happy yeah. that he lived. Yeah. Happy that he was magical. Exactly. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Oh, Neville. So we also um, hear about the Gringotts break-in here. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, on 107. Where Ron's like, oh, I guess you wouldn't know because you don't get the Daily Prophet. But Gringotts was broken into, and he's like, what? That's impossible. But it was, and people always get scared because they, you know, they think that you know who could be behind it somehow, even though that's like no way.
4: The Russians. No, I mean, well,
5: they're yeah, they're saying there's a a powerful dark wizard, you know. So we're we're starting yeah. to get the the shadings of, of something right going on here. There's a bigger plot afoot, you know, that we we knows there, but it's starting to take little bit more yeah. shape you know we know that harry went down in the gringotts vault mm-hmm. and they got something and now it seems like okay well there's a break in
3: but they didn't take anything they
5: didn't take anything so we're and see- they got back out we're seeing that there's something that somebody wants um yeah we don't quite know what it is
2: and it's sort of like harry and ron's investigative nature coming out of them too they're both very inquisitive and kind of, they break rules to discover things, and they fancy themselves detectives, so. Yeah, this is
4: the beginning of the sort of Harry Potter Scooby gang. Mm -hmm. Sort of getting together. Yeah. Our first mystery. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: It's coming. Does anybody else think, like, the the number of the vault's, like, super significant? I have thought about that. Like, seven being the most magical number, and 13 being sort of, like, an unlucky number. What do those two things together mean? Maybe she just put those two numbers together randomly. Mm.
3: Probably not randomly. Well, not
2: randomly, but she was like, oh, these are two significant numbers. So I'm going to yeah. throw these together as the vault number. Mm. It's wow. like, this is a really powerfully magic vault, but there's some bad luck in there. If <laughs> yeah, talking,
3: I, well, I mean, you know, what vault. what's in it is is both of those things. Very mm-hmm. powerful and very dangerous.
0: Well, in that sense, you'd think you know, they'd ask, well, could we have a different vault number? Right. Yeah. We're kind of giving the whole game away with right. this right now. Everybody <laughs> knows. You no, know, Green God's your sort of symbolic
4: numbering system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, that sort of gets back to Goblin's our, are our very whole poignant, issue, you know? With, you know, with the way the, the banking system was mm-hmm. run, oh, right? Weird. Like, this we don't, very there's ambition. no, there's no account numbers. Like, why would you just number them one, two, and get to 713? Like, You'd want to use up all those spaces. So they took all the same amount of space in the ledger, right? so you'd have zero, 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 one, to zero, you know. You'd, that, like, you'd, that's just, it just makes sense. But think
1: of the lack of ATMs. You know, you run out of money, and it's midnight, and you're in Scotland, like, and Gringotts is closed. I mean, that just seems like a problem. And in England. England
3: right? So is there, like, a wizard credit system? I thought mm. that today. I wondered, like, hmm, the
4: Wizard debit cards. Yeah. Like. Well, also, if, if you can magically, like, radically increase your supply of, of say, food, and you can, like, make, you know, many multiples of food by buying one mushroom, you can make as many mushrooms I guess as you'd it doesn't like. Matter if you're well, out of money. Like, it just, we well, know
3: you can't do it with money because the Weasleys are rogue.
4: Yeah, that. but that, like, that always confused me. Like, if you're.
3: Why can't. What are you we, spending all your money on? Maybe there's a charm on it.
4: Maybe they have a very, oh, very high. Tax on capital, or something else like that, or maybe they mm-hmm. maybe they have a great insurance system or something. I mean, there has to be some way that, say, yeah, uh, where, where Neville's parents can be taken care of in the hospital and for free, and it's not like affecting Grand. In any way financially, oh. so like I don't know, but there's Gosh, some there's something. yeah, Mr. Weasley
1: isn't being very about, wise you know? buying a Ford Anglia, you know, or did he get that from a junkyard? You know, did he spend money
5: on that because they don't have the money to mm-hmm. go? Mm. I think it was probably confiscated. No. <laughs> no.
3: Like, uh, like, like, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, that's yeah. why he he's that's, got a garage full of stuff right. that he got from raids yeah. that he tinkers with. So I feel like that's the same thing. Mm.
4: Yeah,
5: we also, I mean, getting closer to the end, we get uh, the first glimpse of Hogwarts, Mm -hmm. the castle, Mm -hmm. from uh, the boats. They finally get off the train, um, in their dress robes, and get onto boats. And Harry sees Hagrid again, and yells forward, and they see it. Well, I think maybe they see it before. Yeah, a little bit before, but still, they get on the lake, and they're going toward this. This castle on a mountain that's getting ready to be Harry's home away from home mm-hmm. type deal.
2: Mm-hmm. I like the idea that Harry, Ron, and Hermione and Neville are all in the boat together, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's very significant. This little like outcast gang who, you know, one is a misfit in his family. One has been a misfit his whole life. He's been neglected. And like Hermione being muggle-born and Neville being what he is, what we just talked about. The four of them in that boat together, like... Riding towards Hogwarts mm-hmm. is really significant and a, a really beautiful picture, I think, of them mm-hmm. like growing up and mm-hmm. going towards Hogwarts.
3: I think it's weird that they find Trevor in the boat mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. because, like, it makes me think that it was in Neville's pocket the whole time mm-hmm. and then jumped out when they got in the boat, you know, because, like, he was missing it from the platform.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Like,
3: if, if Trevor had gotten actually loose in the platform, he's gone. Your
4: tote, he's well, gone. It could be a magic toe.
2: I think Hagrid
0: I think finds he the could though. could be a really smart Toad. Maybe. I mean, yeah. he has He's like Trevor following Neville. Why does he not have a kennel? Didn't we talk
1: about this last time? I'm getting a Deja Vu. Like a little Toad kennel. Like a portable, you yeah. know, you put your cat in a cat carrier. Yeah. It's like toad a little carrier. cage. I mean, oh, we talked about this with Fantastic Beasts. How do the beasts like climb out of the suitcase? Why can't he get a, a carrier for his toad? Maybe he's really thinking it, it, yeah, he it's, not gonna, it. it's not that to go. Uh-huh, yeah, he uh-huh. could have
5: forgot it, but it's not gonna go very far. You know, it just it hops a little bit, or uh-huh. maybe it's just. Uh-huh. I, 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 don't, I mean, just obviously, see, it gets like, away from <laughs> him. Clearly, <laughs> he wastes the toad way too much time. Single-handedly
0: handedly <laughs> and maneuvered his way from the platform, yeah, through right. the train, all the way to the <laughs> to boats the boat. of Hogwarts. Smart <laughs> <laughs> toad. <laughs> he's like itching to pocket the whole time, and
3: he's looking all over the train for it.
0: Unsolved mysteries of the wizarding world. Yeah. And we're here to talk about all of them. All of them, indeed. Well, with that, Hagrid raised a gigantic fist and knocked three times on the castle door. And chapter six of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone comes to a close. Uh, Listener, thanks for sticking with us uh, through this episode of the Harry Potter Book Club. Uh, Remember, if you have comments or questions... You can email them to us at hpbcfanmail at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.